Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my twinkle-toed ballet partner and co-host, Alex Dandino. But you can't see my mouth moving those words correctly. (laughs) Dubbing joke. (laughs) <laughs> Coming in strong with the niche comedy. <laughs> uh, guys, this month, the pod enrolls in the school of hard knocks. It's long, I know, but it's worth it. Uh, today, we are venturing to a German ballet school? German. German, German. ballet school for Dario Argento's 1977 classic, Suspiria. Alex, I've seen... My wife actually came in and I was watching this doing my notes and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking notes on Suspiria. And she's like, you have seen this movie at least 50 times. Why are you (laughs) need to watch it again to take notes? She's like just mad to see Suspiria on the TV again. Of course. Uh, For you, as possibly a newish viewer, younger in your uh, viewings of Suspiria than I, what was your initial gut reaction uh, to this Candy technicolored nightmare that you walked upon. This is the third time I've seen Suspiria, like just on my own. I think I watched once in college, once when we started we're actually working out a wipeout, and then um, probably now. I don't know. I'm sure I've seen it a couple other times too. Um, my newish initial response is always it's it's a movie that works for the music and the lighting, draw drastic attention to everything. <laughs> like there's absolutely <laughs> Nothing about this movie that's subtle, I'd say. This movie is point right. blank, <laughs> in your face. <laughs> the first sacrifice of the coven is subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most subtle the most subtle thing in this movie is uh Jessica Harper <laughs> almost leaving her suitcase on the uh tarmac, essentially. Like that is the only <laughs> That's like the only subtle thing in this movie that happens. Like the rest of it's very like it's very dramatic and very like pointed. It's it's really fascinating. It's also probably one of the most brutal and vicious murder movies I've ever seen. Like there's some shit in this movie that happens that I think is just downright like heinous. Like and it's yeah, not Welcome to Giallo, son. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's just yeah, you are not wrong, man. Like it is not a particularly um like I don't think it's a particularly scary movie. Like it's not like a uh, slasher movie, really, but it is still very, very violent in the way they produce the violence. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, no, uh, this is the funny thing to me. It's like if if I were writing the Wikipedia for this, like it would say starring awesome music and sounds and color. <laughs> it was, it would, I think <laughs> you know I'd say I mean? it was starring the goblins and the lighting tech. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's funny though because. I, I hear a lot of complaints, right? So, like, I, I'm more of a horror movie buff than you are. Yes. In a lot of me and my horror movie friends, there's a lot of rankings, right? Right. Like, I remember, you know, there's a lot of rankings in what place is this and that. Um, I have always loved Suspiria, but a lot of my horror movie friends, they don't dig it that much. Um, and that's part of what they get to is the, it's not really scary. Uh, there's not enough death. Uh, things, you know, this is one I hear a lot is that there's not really anything to latch onto. There's not really like a deeper story, right? Sure. Um, it's one of those things where they talk about, you know, like when you watch Nightmare on Elm Street, the, the kids kind of have stakes in the story and arc and why they're there. Same with Halloween or Friday the 13th. And they're, you know, one of my friends always used to say is like, this is just kind of an arbitrary hodgepodge. They're like, there's no reason it's in this school with this girl at this time. <laughs> You know, why are the witches so bad at pretending they're witches after centuries? <laughs> I was like, that's fine. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll concede all of these. Like, I don't think this is a narrative masterpiece. No. What I do think, though, and, and I actually do think this movie is scary to me. What, what, I, what I like about this movie is, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't love the phrase tone poem all the time. And that's certainly not what this is, but it's, it's just this insane amalgam of what you can accomplish with long drawn out scenes of just insane music and sounds and colors that feel unnatural and shouldn't be there um to me it's if you did 
It's kind of like Willy Wonka's factory of nightmares, right? Nothing is real. Nothing makes sense. The acting is melodrama. So you're immediately, you have no kind of footing in a real world. So for some people, that's, that takes away their element of fear, right? Because right. they, they can't relate to it personally. To me, what I think, though, is that on a, on a visceral level, humans are always afraid of unnatural and different and alien. And to me, that's what this movie does is it's, it's so expertly always keeps you off balance, whether it's the colors or the architecture of the building. Right. Um, the sounds, just the weird music that is then mixed in with sounds of whispers and feet and gongs and rah, right. <laughs> like all the stuff they do. You never can get comfortable and relax in this movie. Yeah. And it, and the, the effect of all of these kind of various tricks and chicanery that are happening is that every character becomes insanely ominous, right? So other yeah. than Jessica Harper, every character you feel like could be in on it the whole movie. Oh, 100%. So it's, it's that constant feeling of unease and unsettling um, presence that I, I think is really what makes this movie a classic more than a relatable narrative that you know hits closer to home yeah i it's interesting you brought up willy wonka i actually wrote in my notes like this movie is essentially the tunnel scene from willy wonka where they're all traveling and like all those crazy keep seeing those crazy images <laughs> the only thing that's missing is like if veruca salt got if veruca salt got like stabbed and then they got to the inventing room that yeah. is suspiria well i mean the little nephew's dressed as augustus gloop i think this works <laughs> Imagine yeah. if instead of that little paddle boat, right? That's a carnival cruise ship, right? And the entertainers were ballet. This is this is exactly. Imagine if seen. like Udo Kier's uh, part was like Augustus Gloop, or if it was like yeah. uh, Slugworth. You know, like that would be that. This movie would make all oh, kinds. Slugworth would have loved this mofucker. <laughs> I I actually really like Suspiria. I think it's a really again like I saw this movie in college. I think it was like. I had moved to San Diego State and I didn't know anybody, so my big thing was I just go to the library and they had a great uh, backlog of movies, so I would just go rent a bunch of movies and I wanted to watch a lot of Italian filmmakers, and Dario Argento is one of the ones that I had to watch, and the first movie I pulled was Suspiria. So like, my experience with this movie the first time was I was expecting something really, really, really scary, and what I got was something very brutal, but also just really fascinating given that it's 1977 like the way this movie is portrayed is so theatrical and not just because it takes takes place at a ballet academy but you know yeah for you know it what's being funny though I, I thought that same thing is that there there are scenes in this movie right specifically let's hone in on um the the red room camping scene sure however you would phrase that right when they have to sleep in the the weird bed in the gym because maggots have fallen off right the right there's the scene where they're in bed talking about there's rumors of this, you know, ancient evil, blah, blah, blah. And the woman is in the bed behind them, breathing all funny. I was like, this would actually be the most insanely kick-ass stage ballet. It's weird. <laughs> like you could do it, this movie just as a stage production and it would be fucking fascinating. I think so too. And it's really strange that that hasn't been adapted like that. Like, especially now, like we're getting like movies adapted into plays left and right. Oh yeah. Right. The fact that the this old artsy fartsy fucking uh, cigarette holding crowd. Just oh, I don't know, man, especially after blood the, and fake teeth sprayed on them. I mean, yeah, like right. after we like, will go see it uh, for the now showing segment. I mean, especially now that they've remade the movie and from what I'm hearing, like this is, right up the artsy fartsy alley of uh all those all those new york coastal elites you know no cinema artsy fartsy is very different than put on your most recently murdered expensive animal and let's go sit in a room for thousands of dollars <laughs> i'm assuming that's what they do i'm not really with this crowd. you know what's ironic you're closer to that coast than i am um I really thought <laughs> you're trying to call in my real American credentials. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> I think it's really, I, I really like this movie. I, I think that as far as like, I think Suspiria is all, I, it's weird to me when people don't rank it as one of the greats, like, cause this movie really does inspire. I mean, like you said, it's a big yellow type type deal. Like this is a whole movement of subgenre of Italian movies. Like, yeah. It's really fascinating, and it's also really and interesting. was a bit of a precursor to the slasher explosion. It was like this is a very, I mean, and like I said, it's very brutal. Like that first, that first killing 
is so fucking vicious. Like, yeah, it, like, and there's the shot that I always think about is like the, 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 like the unseen hand pressing that woman's face against the window. Like, yeah, like I can't imagine any other director, like, especially now or any time wanting the shot of some woman's face, just like pressed against the, like, and like an ugly face, like, like press her face against that window, like, and smush her flesh into it. So like, we can't really tell who it is. Like they have that uncomfortable pig nose people have when they give their face smushed. Like, right. Well, you know, what's funny it's is that part of that feels like it's almost comedic. It does. Absolutely. Like when you see it, like, I remember doing that as a kid, right? Like, look at me. Ha, ha. And right. like, so there's this weird moment of, yeah, but it's like you said, it, it becomes very disturbing, that opening, it right? Because you, you see this woman who just, I mean, at best case scenario is having a full mental breakdown, right? right? Like, that's the best case that's happening. Right. And she sees these eyes in the darkness. And then, yeah, this disgusting, like, it's almost like the albino monk from, <laughs> from Da Vinci Code uh, with, with worse fingernails, right? Yeah. And, like, super hairy arms. But, and then they just cut to, and this is another weird point, which is, the witches in the coven are in on this and eventually it ends in a, a noose, right? A hanging. It's like, why not just do that? Yeah. But before they do that, right? You could just frame this as a suicide. Like she got kicked out and she killed herself. Yeah. Instead of that, the, the assailant stabs her in the heart about 15 times. It feels like, no, I agree. Including like, a shot, which is actually just a close up of a beating heart. Oh, being stabbed and then blood squirting out yeah. of the, the new opening. Like it's it's a brutal slaying. And it's interesting because he stabs her like we get a close up of that heart getting stabbed into. You're like, that's got to be it. Then <laughs> he throws her through the fucking this beautiful like painted glass window. And the mm. first thing that happens, though, is like he sticks like her head like sticks out through the top a little bit. Yeah. You're like, ooh, gross. And then. To top it all off, she fucking falls through the glass window and like just and gets hung, even though she for sure is already dead. Like, yeah, it's it like that's the beginning of the movie. Like, there is nothing else to know. Not only is that the beginning of the movie, but congruently, like the main plot of the film is Susie Hart, uh, Susie Banyan trying to check into this boarding school, and they're literally like, "Get out of here!" She's like, "All right, fine, fuck it." <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just. <laughs> It's such a weird, and this is this is kind of one of the things like, you know, I hear people take umbrage. You're like, well, that's insane. Like, why would they not? Because the witches are trying to cover up some of the other deaths in the movie. It's like, right. why this and why that? And I'm like, you guys are going too far. Yeah. You're like, this is a moment of just visceral crushing of innocence, right? So we start off and we see Susie who... And this is a weird thing I read is that Argento actually wanted these to all be little girls. Like I read that too. Girls. That's really weird. And like he he adjusted the set to where when they reached for doorknobs, they had to reach up so they look small and childlike. Yeah. Um, but they're like, yeah, you can't you can't have this opening scene with a 12-year-old girl. Like, are you fucking nuts? Well, the other thing I read and, uh, too is that he didn't change the script at all. Like he literally just changed right. everyone's ages, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> but that's so I think what's cool about it, though, and, and to me, like, hearing that especially, is it that solidified what I always thought is I'm like, this is just kind of like the coolest Hansel and Gretel movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Because the whole opening, too, of Susie getting in the car and she can't pronounce the name to the taxi driver, this and that. And then you go through this pounding, pouring rain and we see this woman screaming, but we can't see her words. And then we're brought inside to these insane colors. It's it's washing away any reality you might have. Like right. after that airport scene, there's no reality left in this no. movie. And so it's wash yourself clean and come do these, these fables with us. Right. And in that opening, it's just the, the fucking, the music and the sounds and the colors. It's just one of those moments you watch and, and it's an experience you don't get to have often. Right. And that, that alone is always such a fucking awesome thing to find in a movie. Um, and yeah, like I said, it, it's just this fucking crushing of this kind of innocent young lady that we seem to know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fucking, it is just brutal and aggressive, both in style and substance. <laughs> I no, think it's an awesome, it's, it's one of the great openings of a movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this movie just lives in the, 
this movie lives in the production details, so to speak. Like there are things in this movie that I don't like if this movie was done any differently, I feel like it would have just faded into obscurity. Like Dario Argento is a great director in his own right, but I think this movie would have probably been less interesting without these like production details. Like the fact that the doorknobs are higher to make them appear like children, the lighting to be the way it is goblins to be doing the music. Like there are these little details that I think are fucking incredible that make this movie yeah. that much more interesting. And it's like when you like when you don't realize it, now that we realize it, because you know, we're doing this show, so we want to know these little details and stuff like that. It recontextualizes a little bit. When when you don't realize it, this movie is so much more eerie when you don't know those things. Like I think that that makes this movie that much more fascinating and that much more eerie when you are just watching it as a first time viewer. Like that's what I'd implore people who are gonna bring uh, who are going to show their friends this movie, if you're going to say, hey, let's sit down and watch this movie, make sure, if your friends haven't seen it, don't tell them any of this cool, like, extra behind-the-scenes shit. Because they're recontext like, to not recontextualize it like that, I think makes this movie that much more interesting, actually. Yeah, to me, this is like the classic, let's pass around a joint and watch a movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. you, don't, you don't really need to... No, and this is what I like about and this stuff doesn't always work. Like as a big fan of David Lynch, I went back and did a lot of his kind of visual art experience uh, right. and experiment stuff. Sure, um, you know it doesn't always captivate me, but there's just something. I mean, that's the thing. The the movie takes on this almost dark magic vibe to me. <laughs> I don't understand why or how any of this works. And and I'm with you. I'm like, if you just use normal lighting and found anyone else to do the music for this movie, I think no one's ever heard of it. No, hundred you know percent. No. I mean? This movie but, stands and, out. And this is what that. we talk about. It's it's the alchemy of how you throw these kind of disparate parts together. And right. and somehow, because you can never quantify what is great and good in a movie. What you can always tell, though is when a movie just has a visceral reaction, you know? Right. In this movie, most people I talk to, you get these kind of big reactions to it, and some of them negative, man, and that's that's fine. That's what you're looking for. Um, There's another... One thing that I think is really cool that they do, too, is that they don't waste a lot of time at the start really telling you anything about the horror to come, right? So a lot of horror movies work on the premise of, we'll set up our monster early lay out the details, and then you'll know what the game is, right? This movie doesn't really tell you what the fuck is going on until about an hour plus in. <laughs> yeah. We finally talked to Udo Kier. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the really, that's probably one of my favorite aspects. Except for in the Goblins music, there is just this guy going, witches, witches, <laughs> witches. So it's like, I guess you can glean that. <laughs> yeah, that's like the only thing you're like, hmm, probably some witches going on. But like, yeah, Udo Kier's the only one who explains like, and it comes in literally at the like, almost at the very end of the movie. Like Udo Kier shows up <laughs> with that old guy, and then like there's maybe 20 minutes left of the movie. Like that's the fascinating thing about this whole flick, I think. Yeah. There's another thing that I forgot. <laughs> this is like a very common thing for Italian filmmakers too, and I had forgotten they do this, and I wrote it down was um, they dub this movie. So um, basically, what that means is uh, they obviously shot the film but what they did is they went back and adr'd the entire thing so everybody's dialogue right. is redubbed this is something that all <laughs> italian filmmakers did and i i looked it up because i didn't understand why and i because like fellini did it uh i think um oh, god damn like all the other guys fellini's the only one i can think of right now but this is a very popular technique and i found out it was because all of them were using basically surplus war cameras so like all of them are loud as shit and no one can hear anything over them. But what's interesting too, and like you think about the brutality, you think about the fear that these women kind of had on their face during some of these scenes is in an interview, Jessica Harper was talking about how weird it was because the show, because the whole thing was dubbed. They didn't, they weren't generally running sound on set. So like they would be shooting a really tense scene. And then they'd also hear on the next stage over like someone building a set. So you're like, yeah, you're like sitting there and you're getting brutally Hammering murdered footsteps. Yeah. You're getting like brutally murdered in a scene in the center. You're like, Hey, <laughs> like that's like, imagine trying to do that kind of thing. Like that's what makes this movie even more amazing. Not only that, it gets weirder, right? They used to pump the goblins music just in yes. the set loud as fuck. So these people are acting while the sounds are happening amongst <laughs> them on stage. 
Come to find out, a lot of the actors, they all spoke different languages. Yeah. So you could be doing a scene with someone in French. They're speaking German. <laughs> someone else is Spanish. It's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and they were just going for it. I love it, man. <laughs> like, that's, that's, again, it's the alchemy of this whole thing. Like, that's what makes this movie so special and so interesting is the fact that there's all these little production details, but also when you see it just, like, on its surface – like all the lighting cues particularly are always the thing that fascinates me about this movie. The music is a great choice as well, but the convalescence of the lighting cues, like lights go out, bright red comes up, lights go out. Like when, uh, the Sarah's death scene, the one where the, the roommate Sarah dies, like the, right. you know, she's it's going to happen because almost immediately this bright green neon light splashes her. You're like, Oh, she's dead for sure. There's yeah. just no way it's not going to happen. And like, well, it's insane. There are even moments in that, like when she's talking to uh, Susie in her bed. Yeah. Where it's like the background wall will be red. Yeah. The, the you know, key light on her face will be blue. Mm -hmm. And then Susie in her bed are kind of this this white shade. Yeah. And it's like even in the same scene, there are all these different <laughs> hot spots of colors where you're like, it, it, and that's what I mean. You just don't see that a lot. Yeah. Right. It's a really specific and, style. You know, yeah, it's like this kind of Technicolor, this three strip color that they they printed the movie in, right? To help with this, apparently this was the last movie they did it on. Like, yeah, this was I saw like that. The Wizard of Oz technology. This mm -hmm. was the last one they did. Um, it's strange because I spend a lot of time every time I watch this trying to, you know, in my mind what every single color necessarily means. Right. But to me, it's this kind of mix of, and I and I've never quite gotten there, and I don't know that it's always super precise, but. I think what it is is hot passion and cold reality. That's what it feels like they're doing a lot of times, right? Like right. you're in this environment where all of these things are happening. And there's this fucking dark witch energy. And then a lot of time, like you said, like as people are starting to get more and more afraid, it's it's very kind of blue and green, icy colors, right? Right. They have this, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, something bad is about to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, I it's interesting, too, is like not to be outdone by the lights, like the sets are incredible. Like the oh, uh, my God. Yeah. That first shot that you see, um, what the woman who uh, I can't remember, Patricia, like when she's going up into the building like that foyer area is absolutely a, 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 it's just a visual maze. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, even like the rails. Right. It's like these kind of weird. Lovecraftian tentacle thing yeah, instead of yeah. just like rails. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, this. But yeah, I mean the the whole building, everything we see of this building. Because that's what I thought. I was like, I would love it if someone made the Suspiria Hotel. Oh and I'm like, I think yeah. guests would fucking go insane and start murdering each other within a weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's like you just cannot be around that kind of like shape and color mixtures for very long before you start trying to murder people. <laughs> Absolutely. It's fucking bizarre, man. Like, again, it's everything is everything in this movie. Like, I, I think the story is very superficial. Like, there's nothing really to like, as I was watching it, because like when we've watched some of the other movies that we've watched for the show, like I've often tried to like watch these movies that I've originally thought were very superficial and be like, what's the deep dive? Like, how do I go a little deeper than this? I, I don't find Suspiria to be particularly deep. Like, there's a lot. It's basically... Girl goes to a school, finds out it's a bunch of witches, and the school burns down. Like there's like they're like that's it. Like that's all I get out of it. But what I think the thing, the reason the movie succeeds, and the reason the, the reason that Dario Argento is so great is the mood that is set in this movie, with the, with everything around it, is so freaky that yeah, you cannot pull yourself away. Like I, you cannot not be engaged the entire movie. It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but but that's what I mean. It's it's just, it has this kind of dark magic yeah. to keep you engaged. Like you said, and I mean, you could kind of look a little deeper and say, okay, well, she's an American coming across. So everything's very foreign to her. She always feels um, lost. She's always trying to find her footing. But then you're like, yeah, that doesn't. Sure. It doesn't seem super important. Right? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. like to the greater, like, it's not necessarily foundational to what this <laughs> movie's doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they just have to do enough to keep you engaged because what, what I really think of the scene to me that I think is a great encompassing of this movie is what we see with the 
the blind man. Yeah. So he's been thrown out of his job because his dog attacked uh, skinny Augustus Gloop, right? The little nephew. Right. Uh, who immediately were like, oh, a dog doesn't like him. That's a little evil bitch. We don't like <laughs> right, that kid. Right, right. Uh, with, you know, the murderous nanny who's <laughs> doing whatever the fuck she's doing. Uh, and then, yeah, Nurse Ratchet's upstairs tough talking him and throws his cane on the floor and is like, get out. Oh, dude. <laughs> and uh, but this is really like here's, she's this my is favorite where it character. gets good, though, where he's just like, you know, I'm blind, not deaf. Remember that. So he's made a threat. Right. Well, now we go to this German bar and immediately I'm I'm terrified. I was like, so you're telling me if I go to a German bar, there's just chunky to stout men in later, dressed in toddler clothes later in later hosen uh, just doing this yeah they, they're dressed like my my one-year-old what? Right? like those are baby those are baby clothes also what was the, what was the dance they were doing it was just like a slap That's fight I mean, they're, yeah it's like weird slap fight dances <laughs> you're like as i'm trying to have a beer and talk to you i have to look through these like fucking meaty chunk legs pray that no one actually gets fucking slapped down upon me you know what I mean? And you're like, they're probably just dripping fucking sweat off of their thick, hairy bodies. I was like, this is a disgusting bar. Right. I was really, like, already I'm like, wah, wah. like right, I would right. throw in a lot with the witches to just not be around those yeah. those fat dance fighters. I'd probably just walk like, I'll just I'll just take everything to go. I don't want to be here. Just just give me all the food. I'll take it Can home. Can you just put all my pints? Like, I'll just take all the giant mugs. <laughs> I have a dog. He'll carry it. He'll be fine. But this scene is is what a great one to me, right? So essentially, you take this this blind pianist, and he walks out in the middle of this courtyard, right? With these two gigantic, lovely buildings. This kind of cobblestone courtyard. Right. And this scene feels really long. It's like really drawn out experience of him hearing the music and the sounds. His dog's growling, and he's just... Who's there? Who's there? But no response. And the camera keeps kind of tilting up to a gargoyle or darkness. Um, and what I realized, I was like, oh, like, fuck. Like, Argento is essentially blinding all of us as the audience. Yeah. Like, at one point, you see shadows of witch-like figures flying. Yeah, it was and weird. And this is one of the great moments. They do this shot a lot in the movie, which I love, is this kind of overhead spirit cam. Right. So it gives you like an above impending sense of doom, but also there's a voyeuristic quality to it. Oh, totally. That they're watching this blind man and he can't see. They're watching the girls in the pool. Right. And what makes it scarier than a normal voyeur is that he's not looking through a crack, right? Like he's there with you. The presence is upon you and you'll never know. Yeah. But the movie, and you get this very immense sense of dread standing there blind with this, this blind pianist just. As the sounds and the music, it's kind of got this tribal chant thing going um, and ominous screeching sounds as he has no idea what's coming. He just knows it's bad. And that's the experience we're all on. We're watching the screen and there's nothing to actually be afraid of. Yeah. But you still are. Oh, sure. I mean, I think the way that that shot too, like particularly it's like only that giant church and he are the things that are lit. Everything else is in pitch black. Like, yep. It's very, very direct, and it's very, very important that those are the only two things that are important within the scene. And I think what's fascinating is that's the scariest part. Not when he fucking gets his throat ripped out by a dog. Like, it's the scariest thing that happens is that the anticipation leading up, you're waiting for something. Even the, like, like even the stupid, like, I don't even know what they were, the shadows. Like, I was like, that is really corny. But I would still be scared See, I shitless. Love that. It's still care. It's still fucking freaky as shit. He's blind. What does yeah. he care? Like that's what's but that's weird. That's what too. I mean. We we are sitting there, locked in the middle of this courtyard with him, blind to what is assailing us. The audience, the same as him. Yeah. And and the amount of tension and dread that he builds in that scene is phenomenal. And yeah, it, it ends with a, a throat rip. Right. The Patrick Swayze dog gets a throat rip in. It's cool. <laughs> Peace Swayze dog. Uh, yep. I mean, that might be the scariest thing is you're like, oh, my God, they corrupted man's best friend. <laughs> a service animal gone awry. I've never heard of such a tragedy. Uh, but that scene is something they they essentially replay with us a lot through the movie. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me. And again, it's one of those moments where I could see that as a stage piece. Just this blind man with, you know, lights and sounds in the back, you know, just going nuts in the yeah. theater. Um, it's To me, it's brilliant. And that's that's the thing that... I latch onto in horror movies more than 
a perfectly plotted narrative, right? Like I can go from A to B. You have to, and I think this goes for horror and comedy above all else. Like if you're watching a comedy and I'm not laughing, you have failed me. Right. Right. Comedy's hard because it doesn't travel universally, but you know, if I came there, it should be in my ballpark. I need to laugh. In a horror movie, you need to draw dread from me. Right. Right. The, the dog ripping the throat out, that's gross and it makes you feel bad. And, you know, there's an aversion to the pain, this and that. Sure. But on on a basic le- like you watch slasher movies where you're just like, oh, that's just gross. But you don't feel the dread. Right. This movie, I feel dread. Yeah. That is the most important and primal effect that these movies should have on you is to make you feel unsafe. They take you back to the dawn of our species where right outside of the campfire light, any number of horrifically terrible things awaited you. Yeah. And you spent all your time just afraid. That is a and great summary. And that's what this movie does in great scenes. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing about the storytelling aspect of particularly this movie. But you're right. Horror films in general is the mood it sets. And Dario Argento is any is nothing but a mood setter. That's really what this movie is, is it sets the mood. And again, like the plot becomes superficial simply because you are in the mode and in the like you're so in it already directly because of the visual and audible stimuli that you don't care what happens. Like, honestly, you don't really care what happens in this movie because you know something's going to happen. Like, that's the important thing is it's not this surprise. You know what's going to happen because you've seen however many any sort of suspense movie or horror movie you've seen, you know something's going to happen. But for it to take it there and for it to set the mood in such a direct way, that's what makes this movie masterful. That's what makes it really, really, really something to watch. Right. Well, it reminds me of the Hitchcock quote, right? Is that there's no, what does he say? There's no suspense and the bomb exploding. Right. It's the kind of suspense of, you know, like that's another thing he said, right? Is, Two men talking is not a movie. Two men talking with a bomb under the table, that's a movie. Something like that. I might be butchering those quotes and misattributing No, but them. you're absolutely but that, correct. But that kind of concept of the suspense and drama. And that's the thing. I, I don't know. I think there is some revulsion to me. Like, there's some really graphic kills. Um, the one that comes to mind is, yeah, we were talking about this earlier, when the roommate, uh, what's her name? Not the young Cruella DeVille. Oh, no, her name's Sarah. The other one. Sarah. The more innocent one. Sarah. <laughs> So young Cruella DeVille's just out. She kicked Olga. She kicked her the yeah, fuck out of her yeah, apartment. Olga She's kicks like, her out of the apartment. <laughs> I got to go make some puppies before this theater. Olga <laughs> Olga kicks her out of the apartment for feeling ill. Like, that's the thing that I was like, what is What a terrible roommate. Like, <laughs> she's, she's, like, she's like, I don't want your American cooties. I'll be over here chain smoking and what? murdering. That bitch my is hemorrhaging <laughs> out of my house. Like, that's what it is. I'll tell you the truth. I don't fault her at all. <laughs> We, I'll tell you, actually, this is a, a, a little passed over moment, but this is how you know that Susie is truly the worst roommate of all time. So Susie later in the movie is like, I'm not eating this food anymore, right? She pours her wine down the drain. Right. She takes a chicken breast and cheese oh, and yeah. throws it down the toilet like a Very monster. uncool. Very not cool. It was the first moment where you're like, I hope the giant guy with the bad haircut and the candy teeth murders you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot like, that about poor that guy. plumbing system. That poor plumbing system. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that guy. It's the absolute worst. And then, yeah, immediately she's attacked by a bat and then smashes it with her chair. She's ready right. for battle, not just with the plumbing pipes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, but her death, right? So when she's running away from the man and this is i thought this was funny too they insert a close-up of the straight razor blade yeah and it's like what we can tell is that the person's wearing a cape they have a straight razor blade with a leopard print handle and they have a specialty felt box for it i'm like i get it we've checked all the boxes this guy's a psychopath <laughs> i wasn't gonna be confused but now we've done all the boxes got it Whew. Um, all right Thank and then, God. yeah <laughs> she so she's trying to escape and she does the classic like damsel in distress Oh, as he's trying to open the lock with the straight razor. I was just like, God damn it. Just put your finger on the lock. You'll never get it. <laughs> but she decides instead she's going to climb through this very high window and she falls into the room that every ballet school has the uh, razor wire. Room. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, every ballet school I've ever been to for sure has the razor wire room. Otherwise, what are we even doing here? 
I remember. I fucking love the razor wire room. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched this movie. I, I, I remember pausing and be like, "What's going on? What, what is this room? Like, who, who? Like, this is again. Like, this is such a great example of like setting the mood because you know they're sitting there trying to cop like concoct some sort of like what's a terrible thing to like. Oh man, imagine like being in a room full of razor wire. Let's fucking do that. Like, imagine. <laughs> Imagine drowning in a room full of razor wire and Dario Argento's like, that, that is what we are doing. Like, well, it's so weird because there's a door just a couple feet from her. I'm like, just you can a couple stop feet. freaking out and ball pitting like you're at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and just like maybe reach. Like, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but to me, it was like this weird moment where all of a sudden it turned into a Saw movie. Yeah. Because it, it's just, to me, I was like, that is the least witch attack I've ever seen. <laughs> well, yeah. I think a lot of, like, doing spells and, you know, the powers of the, the natural world. Right. Like, having a dog murder some guy, that seems perfectly witchy. But the witches to be like, all right, time out on all the summoning spells. We got to go to Lowe's <laughs> and get a couple spools of razor wire. Olga, did you Send get the- that blonde-haired guy who lies for us. Olga, uh, <laughs> did you get the razor wire? Oh, I'm so sorry. Damn it, Olga. God damn it. She's, all right. Yeah. 15 pilots right now is punishment. <laughs> I don't know. Is a pilot a... No. I don't know. Maybe that's a ballet term. It's did not. I just, I think... Did I, I just win the podcast? Did you say pilot or pilaf? Pilaf, pilaf is, is rice. Is that, is that... I know not pilaf. Pilot. Is that the thing where they jump and throw their head back like they're fawns in a forest? I, th- I don't know. I know I know what pirouettes are. Ah, I think that's what I was going for. I think there's for. pirouettes <laughs> and then there's a, a pate d's. I know that too. That's wow, right. What a giant We're very nerd. cultured here on the Film Alchemist. You know that. What a giant nerd. We're very cultured here on the Film Alchemist podcast. We know our we know our ballet terms. It's official. Pilot is not a thing. I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw a Google on. It is not. It is not an official term. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Fuck. That is fantastic. I thought I did it. <laughs> What a great show. I, um, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Oh, my God. Do you remember how that razor wire room ends, though? Yeah. So the, Because this is a weird shot. They do the extreme close-up of the neck slice, but no blood. They no. actually stuffed a prosthetic with what looked like just raw oh, chicken breast. I'm actually almost positive. And then they that, zoomed in on the fucking eyeballs. It's pretty disturbing. I'm almost positive that the, th- that, like, the neck they cut was just like a pig. Because it like because it looked like a pig that had been like hung. Because when they I cut, mean, you see the flesh like open like pages of a book. Yeah, you see the flesh open, but I'm like that looks like bacon. Like that's like that's sort of like where I was. Like it was really fascinating. And then yeah, the, like the shot, the close on the eyes, is just gross. Like that, it does feel weird that it's like, hey, let's do a whole razor wire room, and then they're like, ah, still send send Mongo in with the knife. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> and then after it's like, oh, so the little like janitor kids like. I gotta clean a body and razor wire. Like, why didn't you just sit on her and cut her throat? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay, that's a bum rap. <laughs> but that's what kind of what I was trying to figure out the whole time is like I didn't. Th- it wasn't barbed wire, and then I was like, "Is it's this like just- razor wire or garrot wire?" Well, but was it? Is that what it was? I don't know. Maybe not. Honestly, I was looking at it. And I'm like, these look like like it's like the giant slinky room. Like I didn't. It understand. was slicing her. Yeah. It was slicing. It was her. okay. Cool. I was trying to figure it out because I didn't see her like bleeding out but then i'm like well you know this is the 70s they don't do that kind of shit all the time like it <laughs> that yeah i agree but that's like another one of those situations where you see this and you see that in the movie and it's still jarring because it's just so vicious it's weird like it's not very particularly like again all she has to do is reach up and get out but what's troubling is the fact that that's what that's the predicament she finds herself in like it's something so simple yet terrifying no less like it's weird well, yeah i mean in the middle of the night to be running from an assailant and then just end up in a room of razor <laughs> you can't help her for going all dingbat yeah where she's just like ah right right <laughs> i think that's that's always the thing people like whenever the people are watching horror is like idiots what i would have done is this i'm like man you're not running on that adrenaline relax yeah also it's like wow really you're gonna do all those Tuck and rolls with your pants full of shit. <laughs> right? You would be terrified if this was you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you t- try doing full fucking sprints and climbs with your your pantaloons soaked in urine. <laughs> I was gonna say, all right, Captain P pants. I'll, next time you're in a situation, I'm sure you'll be the one to take care of it. 
Wow. That, uh, oh, man. <laughs> that, that, that Piat, that Pilot thing really, really sent me, really threw me for a loop here. That got you. <laughs> me making up ballet terms. <laughs> it's just so foreign to the fat bot. I can't even make up a reasonable term. So, uh, <laughs> go ahead. So moving forward, <laughs> they, uh, they basically, I mean, Susie goes and meets Udo Kier and this other, that other old guy, whoever they are. And they find out that story about um, essentially it's a cover. Helena Marcos. Helena Marcos, like was, she was Greek, right? A Greek witch. I think so. The Black Queen, the Mother of Sighs. That's what it is. This is actually it's funny because Suspiria is the first of a trilogy, the Three Mothers, right. Story, and each witch is a different. So Suspiria is about the first witch, Helena Marcos, right? The Mother of Sighs, right? Uh, Inferno is the second one. The third one is the Mother of Tears, which is the witch that it's named after, right? Uh. But it's it's cool mythology. Like I think it's I think it's cool. I, I've always liked witch stories, so I, I like the background. I will say the witches in this movie a little unusual to me too, because the old guy's like, yeah, their whole thing is they just they want to make all the money, so they just got to kill people to get money. I was like, <laughs> the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's like the sex magic in the woods? Like, make your own money. Come on. No, they just want to kill people, and that's how they get rich. It's very like again. There, there's a big question in this movie, right? So. I actually think one of the more interesting characters to use as a perspective in this is you have to imagine Helena Marcos, you know, this kind of bedridden burn victim, just sitting there watching her coven go to shit. Because, like, first off, when when Susie's breaking in, I'm like, do they not lock the door to the uh, insane secret witch clubhouse? Like, she walks in and that old, like, Italian grandma is just like, what's up? She has, like, yeah. the knife already. Like, she's going to... I'm like, dude, this this witch must have had to kill, like, 15 ballet students By the for way, finding the room because they don't have a lock. <laughs> I love how the old... I love how uh, the witches at least know how to make... How to good uh, get good food is, like, have hire old Italian ladies to cook, like, sausage for them and everything. Smart. That, it's smart. I mean, hey, that's where the money goes, you know? Like, <laughs> you can't default murder if you're just trying to get a good meal. I mean, that's really kind of what the message of Suspiria is. So Well, it's... It's just this weird thing that they set up in the movie where it's like these witches are not doing anything except screaming we're witches come to feed like the, the maggot rain right that's a great scene that's yeah. metal as fuck but i was like really why are you rotting your own food yeah because there's either two ways to read that either the merchant really did fool them and sell them bad meat right and then you're like well why is this in the movie <laughs> or secondly the witches and their evil magic is causing this attack of maggots and then you're like why are you giving it away? What are you gaining by maggot attack? This is if you're reading the if you're reading the art of war, that's like chapter four. Like, don't maggot attack without an exit <laughs> strategy. I think this is again like this is why I always look at this movie and you see just it's it's mood. That's all it is. Like, you yeah. go upstairs and say, "Oh, spoiled meat, maggots, got it." Because I thought the same thing. I was like, "Why are why is anyone serving this? Why why are we why are we even having this conversation? Does no one know how to cycle through food?" If it goes bad, it goes bad. You throw it out. Like this movie is about setting a mood and putting you on edge so that you aren't going to have that conversation in your head. You're just going to spend the entire time being freaked out or a little grossed out by a lot of stuff. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a really, it's really interesting way of making a movie, particularly a horror movie. It's fascinating. Yeah. I'm, and that's the thing. I think the ending too is, it kind of comes at you really fast, right? She just walks in. She's like, oh, I remember the girl who is running away just screaming, the secret is the blue flower. Right. I gotcha. And runs away. It's like, that seems very arbitrary. <laughs> so she runs in and she enters the like real room, right? She sees the freaky coven room right. where they're all kind of worshiping. And then she goes, and again, it's like, you guys didn't lock the door to the mother of the coven, the head of the snake. Of course not. So she just walks in, knocks over her like terrible old lady art piece, this <laughs> right. peacock. And then it's like, ah, you think you could defeat me, you know? And then she pulls the curtain open. There's no one there. And her friend's body comes back. The friend who now has, like, pins in her eyeball and her wrist nailed. It's fucking vulgar. It's a vulgar scene. And she catches a flash of the real witch. Right. And stabs Helena Marcos dead. It's it's just that easy. It kind of is. And that's something my buddy always used to take umbrage with, too. He's like, that's it? Like, this super-powered, masterful witch? It's just an old invalid and you can just poke her and that's it. And I was like, well, come on. That's kind of a basic, but that's, it, it's a fairy tale, right? right? At the end of Hansel and Gretel, you just push the witch in the oven. That's what it is. Um, it's just about Susie having 
the wherewithal and fortitude to face down this evil. Right. I mean, and that's that's what. It, and like you said, you can you can really to its detriment. Suspiria has a lot of like these little issues, and the plot is pretty thin. The acting is not always great. This and that, but but I'm with you at the at the end. It's it's a moving art piece more than it is a movie to me in a lot of ways, which is you just through kind of these really fun tricks of the medium that most people don't go to the extremes using. Um, there are real actual palpable senses of dread and, and you feel moved a lot throughout. Um, and you're not sitting there just trying to be like, Oh, this would make a great honest trailer or whatever. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, I think fairy tales is a great way to describe this movie because the way that movie, like the way it ends, like literally Susie walks away with a smile on her face and you're like, that woman's just been through some traumatic shit and she literally doesn't give a shit anymore. She's walking away. She's very American reaction. By <laughs> but fire and fury. And she's just smiling. <laughs> dude, seriously, the, the entire mission accomplice banner behind the Susie. entire Academy's on fire. She paid to go to ballet school and it's apparently a coven of witches. It's up in flames. And she's like, well, back to America and like walks away. You know what's away. a really funny part about the ending too is that they intimated that all of the students and the witch headmistress or whatever went to the theater. Yeah. When the witches came back, I was like, the students presumably are also in bed too. Did she just murder all of those other dance students? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Susie Banyan's a psychopath and a murderer, by the way. Uh, that is great. That's terrifying. Who's the really mother right? of size now, Susie? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think this movie rests its laurels on mood, atmosphere, and not making you think about the plot, but more or less just wants you to absorb scene by scene what's happening. And I think that's what makes this movie so interesting. And I think that's what makes it uh, a classic. It's not a yeah. it's not a particularly terrifying movie, but it's a particularly interesting one because you're right. It's a moving art piece. And I think it, it's a movie you watch and you realize that this is this like horror movies like this can be higher art. It's not just, you know, not just a slash, not just a, you know, some crazy witch powers or anything like that. It's a, it's a mood movie. It's really fascinating in that way. Yeah. And, and this might just be kind of the perfect storm of the way these were made and, you know, Argento's choices, this and that. I don't know that he set out to make this much deeper piece of art. whatnot. I agree. Uh, to me, it, it reminds me of a debate I had with friends years ago, right? Where they're like, how do you like metal music so much? You can't even understand all the lyrics, blah, blah, blah. You know, and to me, I always explain, like, it's just a feel. Like, when you hear certain music, your your body gets filled with something. Right. You know, it animates you. You're just pumped. And they're like, well, if you can't understand the lyrics, how do you know the story, this and that? And I'm like, all right, well, what's your favorite Mozart lyric? Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it, in classical, you can just feel the music. The story is just built into the mood and the feeling, right? You're going on this emotional journey, and you don't have to have someone walk you through it with lyrics and words. And that's the way I think of this movie is just you just feel so much when you're watching it. Yes. You know, that and, and that's exactly all I want. It, it just it, it pulls and it pushes. And I mean, to me, it doesn't have to be more than that. It's just a really fucking fun, visceral experience. And, you know, the mix of the insane music and soundscape and the colors and and the images of violence. I mean, there, there's a lot of things about this movie that just always pop up in my head throughout my normal life. Um, it's just always really stuck with me. And I think it's a direct um, response to the fact that this this is more for the feel than the thought. Sure. Agreed. It's a very visceral journey for me. I love that. It's a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, I, I'm actually very interested in how the remake is going to play alongside this one. Because I know they're not going for a true remake. Um, I know, like, they're not going to be doing the colors. I don't think they're doing a lot of the goblins type stuff. I know Tom York is scoring it. Um, apparently, this one is going to really settle in more on that dread effect. Right. I so think I'm, I'm really excited to see how it, it plays with. And uh, through companionship, maybe bolsters this one. Me too. I'm really interested in seeing it. It's going to be a fascinating journey having just watched, rewatched uh, Suspiria. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm telling you, just fucking hang out with your friends, smoke a joint, have some beers, 
If you're a kid, you know, have that extra fucking code red if that's still around. <laughs> lighten up. Lighten up and just fucking go on the journey of feels. You know what I mean? There are movies like that, like this and heavy metal and some movies where I'm like, I'm just there to like partake. Right. I don't really need a lot of extras, <laughs> you know? Like I just I just fucking dig Suspiria. And yeah, I mean, you can you can hit me with all your your plot related stuff you want, man. It's just it titillates me. It always has, it always will. Yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants, man. That's how it always goes. All right, guys, that's it uh, for old school Suspiria. Invite a friend over. Sit him down. Uh, if it's Cruella DeVille, beware. She will kick you out. <laughs> She's going to kick you out for sure. Yeah, but if you make it through and you dig it, man, share the show with your friends. That's what we are hoping for is that we can find more and more people to watch movies and then have a conversation with. That's the ideal uh, dream and purpose of this show is a bunch of people watching flicks and talking shit about them with us. If you find our show on a podcast directory where you can leave a rating and review, please do so. It helps us out enormously at this early stage of the show. It helps us find more alchemists, which again is our goal. And also to that stated purpose, if you have social media, which you know you do, come on, this is the age we live in. I know you've got it. Yeah, I've seen it. I stalk you. No, share it with your friends on your social pages. The more people we can bring in and make full-fledged alchemists, the more interesting choices of movies we can find and the better conversations we can have, which is better for all of us, man. We just want this to be the biggest, uh, you know, kind of film festival feel we can find. That's what we're hoping to do. Help us. <laughs> Please. Yeah, otherwise we're going to make you sit at that table with those huge stocky Germans dancing over you. <laughs> I'm going to make you wear later hosen and dance. <laughs> in baby clothes. Giant men in baby clothes slap dancing. I love how you imagine just, your dread. This is baby, just this just baby write the clothes. review. I'm sorry. Those are baby clothes. It's the exact same setup. The little onesie and then the little over thing. It's baby clothes. Sorry, Germany. <laughs> That's it for the film Alchemist. Uh, you will find us next as we enter the battle royale. Woo. And also keep submitting your choices uh, for School of Hard Knock movies. Schools where things have gone awry. Really good uh, ones. A huge net of really interesting options. We've already gotten some good ones. Uh, keep it up, guys. We'll pick the best one and do it on the show. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tandino. Peace, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>